You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. If you guys didn't know, that was that was Thad, and the, the facial hair is gone. I think our worship pastor Chris is going to start a petition for him to grow his hair back. So if you want to sign that, you'd be right on there. Yeah. Um, so a couple. It's been about a month that Thad's like, why don't you take Sunday after Christmas and preach. Like, great. What I found out is, because I asked him, like, what do you you want me to preach on? He's like, anything you want. What I found out is I'm not very good at not having any boundaries. I'm good at pushing boundaries, but I need them there first to know what to do. And so as I was just like, oh, God, what do you want me to preach on? And I was like, what about this? And this, what about this? And what about this? And nothing felt right. And then there's something that just came to me and like, oh, maybe that's it. And it was more for the fact that, I'll give you a hint, sometimes people who preach, sometimes the message they need for themselves. And so I created this message for me in a way that this is what I need to hear for this year at this time. But I do hope it blesses you also. Uh, let me go ahead and open this up in, in prayer. Lord, my desire is that your words are spoken, that you love your people that there are things going on in everybody's life that I just don't, I don't know, but you do, Lord. So I pray that these words today may hit, the, hit your people at the right place and what they need to hear. Please bless this time in your name. Amen. So 2020 is over. Yeah. I don't think I've heard, like, there's more excitement about this year being over than I've ever heard in my life about a year being over. It's like, oh, 2021 is going, is new. What I find it fascinating is that there's like this date on the calendar that this is the old stuff. Now this is the new and it'll be, it'll be different. Uh, but we do that with a lot of things. We do that with like our birthdays, like onto a new year. We do that with like transitions in life. I was in high school, I'm moving to college or I'm in college, I'm moving into a field of some sort that we like these moments of like, we have potential for change. Cause we look at ourselves and like, okay, there's something about me that I don't like, or I don't like how it's going. I just need this moment to start something new that something can be different. So like the idea of like New Year's resolutions, like how I ate last year, I don't want to eat the same way again. How I was inactive last year, I don't want to do that again. Or I want to learn some sort of new language or something else and study. But the idea of like, I want to move towards something to better myself. So when I was thinking about what the new year for me might look like, it's like, okay, let me back up and say, okay, maybe what the core of me and you'll look at first. Who I am, what I really care about, what I think is really important to me. So I make sure I keep those things and then I can move and add other things to it as I go on. And so this morning I'm going to look at a passage in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5 mostly. It's also called the Shema. So the Shema is a Jewish prayer that the Jewish people, um, every morning and every evening, they say this prayer. They've been saying it for thousands of years. Jesus, Jesus and his disciples probably said the, the prayer. But they said it through times when there are good times, and they said it when there are bad times, good years and bad years, 
good days and bad days. There's a, a rabbi called Akiva, and he was teaching the word of God during the time of Rome. And he was told not to do it, got caught teaching the word. And so they tortured him, they killed him by combing, which was, they take an iron comb and fillet the skin off of their body. Terrible. But his words at the very end of his life were the Shema. He's like, I'm actually living it out at this time. Because I was thinking how good or how bad 2021 might be, whatever that might look like. I still have to center my life on what, who I am at the core, what my faith looks like at its, as essence in some sense. So we'll look at this passage here together and hopefully I can open it up a little bit so you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like to live your life following Christ fully. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be with you, to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we're going to look at the first couple of verses. And what, what I want to do is I'm going to look at some different words in this first few verses. And sometimes like when the Bible gets translated from Hebrew into English, that we lose some of the idea of what the author is trying to say at that time because language is different. Think about some language that maybe people use in the 80s, even in English, and how it doesn't translate the same as it does now. Kind of same idea. I just want to throw out there, um, in the next month or so, we're going to do a, like a Bible study class, kind of talking about what the Bible is and how to approach the Bible. And so one of the things I'm doing today is called like, uh, a word um, to be able to like, look at different Hebrew words and what they mean. And so sometimes the idea of like us, how do I do that? Uh, so this class might be a great class for you to look at like, oh, I want to search the Bible more and learn more about it. Here's a way for me to do that. And so that'll be coming up in a couple months. We'll share more about it. But we're going to look at a few words here. And the first word we're going to look at is the word listen or the word hear. It says, hear, O Israel. So this word hear has a couple different meanings to it. The first one is, yes, to like actually hear the words. The words come into your ears and you hear them. But it also has this idea of um, focus on or pay attention to, and then the idea of obey or to respond to it. So I think about it in, in this way. So I have a son who's in fifth grade. And so let's say he's playing a Nintendo game or something like that in the other room on a Switch. And I yell at him, you know, from the kitchen, because of course I'm not going to go over there and tell him. I'm going to yell at him. Say, Landon, go clean your room. And so I take care of the stuff I'm taking care of in the kitchen. And then 20 minutes later, I go over into the room where he is at, and he's still sitting there. And I go, Landon, didn't you hear me to clean your room? He goes, yeah, I did hear you. Because he did. This is probably his humor right now that he would actually do this to me. Uh, but the idea of what am I actually looking for? I'm like, I'm looking for him to respond. To respond to my voice. Respond to what I asked of him to do. 
And it's kind of just the same meaning in this verse here. And another place that's used is idea in Psalms 27, 7. Hear my voice when I call. Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. When we pray out to God, we ask him, there's something going on in your life and you desperately need him. Lord, do you hear me? Of course he hears you, but what we're asking for is, does he respond? We're looking him to respond in our life. And you see this throughout the, the Old Testament, a ton of people crying out to God. God, you hear me, hear my cries. And the Lord responds, I hear your cries. What he does, it means he responds to them. Whatever predicament that they're in, he takes them out of. He helps them at a time. Because we're not looking for a God that just hears our words, but a God that responds. He's looking at the same thing for us too. That when he, when he says something in our prayers as we're seeking, seeking him throughout the day, we hear something from him. He's looking at us to obey and to respond. I look at the idea of like if you're running in the woods or you're out hiking or something like that and you hear uh, someone crying for help. So you hear the words of help and then you focus on where it's coming from. You pay attention to it and then you go to help. So in this verse starting off, it says, Hear, O Israel. It's not just listen to me. But listen, there's something in the action being oriented with this. It's really interesting. In the Bible, there's no word, or in the Hebrew, there's no word for obey. Even though we see it a ton in the English in there. But it's the same word. It's the word shema. To listen, to obey, to shema. See, in Exodus 19.5, says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure and possessions among all peoples for all the earth is mine. So this idea of obey is the same word as Shema. You hear my commandments, but if you really do hear my commandments, you actually do them, you obey them. So Deuteronomy goes on and says this. Heroes are the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. I just want to talk about the one for a second. So Moses is speaking to the Israelites in this time as they get this passage. They're going to be going into um, Canaan. And in Canaan, there's all these people that believe in all these different gods. Moses is reminding, like, we serve one God. And probably in that time frame, they believe that there were many gods. But for the Israelites, that they're not going to give their attention to other gods. They're not going to give their wealth or their life to anybody else besides this God, the God of Abraham, the one God. You can't serve many gods at this time. You only can serve just him. I know for our culture, it's a little different because we don't serve a lot of gods. Like there's not this, in our culture, there's not a lot of gods to serve. Uh, but what I ask you to do is where do you put your trust? When things are going difficult in your life, what do you trust in? Because the same idea of like, do you put your trust in the one God? Or do you put your trust in security, in finances, stock mar- market, 
government, whatever it might be, like, where do you put your trust? Because as the people there are looking and the things might be tough or difficult, maybe there's a famine, who do they cry out to? The one God? Or maybe the Canaanite God that's all about, like, water or harvest? No, it's just the one God. So the middle of struggle and the middle of wondering, is God really here for me? It's like, I'm going to say this, that there's one God. My life will be devoted to the one God. I will put my trust in him and him alone. One of my thoughts during this last year is, as studies start coming out about people's struggles, like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, porn addiction, um, all these other addictions that go along with it are coming up like never before that we've seen. Like the mental health crisis is huge right now. And I'm going to say as a church, even though we say we follow God, I know that there we each have struggles in our life. And as you're wrestling with it today, you're wrestling maybe with a way that this last year you started coping in a way that was not who you are. Where do we start? Where are you put your trust in? A God that will actually take away the real pain or just something to cover the pain that's up in your life? One God. So Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So this word heart is similar in a lot of ways to our English word of heart, not the physical heart in you, but when you say, like, I love that person with my heart, follow my heart, that it's kind of that idea of it. But also, there's no word for mind. It's not like, say, like, follow your heart and your brain in Hebrew, but it's the same idea of mind is the same as heart. So your heart in Hebrew is that the emotion the feelings, as well as your decisions and your thoughts, your choices. It's kind of all wrapped up in one. Uh, later, I'm going to talk about a verse in Mark where Jesus says the Shema, but uses the word mind in it. Um, in the Greek, they expanded it a little bit more. But this idea of heart is the idea of your emotions as well as your mind, too. I've always this question in asking, like, is the heart good? Because I have this conflict within myself when I think about the idea of someone's heart. Because there's a verse in Jeremiah that says the heart is deceitful above all things. But there's also a piece like God created us good. At times he renews our heart. He renews our mind. So there's like this kind of both sides here. Our heart can become deceitful. There are some people who should never say, like, follow your heart. Teenage girl, teenage boy, maybe not. So maybe not follow your heart. Maybe you say, hey, maybe you should think about it a little bit more. But if you look like right now, what's the condition of your heart? If I was to say to you, follow your heart, what would the outcome of that be? Would that be good decisions? Or to be struggling with something? Another thing they found during this whole COVID thing is how many people had affairs with their old high school sweethearts. They got online, had plenty of time to mess around on Facebook, 
find old flames of theirs and start up these affairs, some emotional, some physical. The question is like, where is your heart? Is your heart towards your, like in this case, your spouse, where it should be? Or is it wandering around aimlessly? So we look at this idea of love the glory of God with all your heart. Don't give it away to something else. Don't give pieces of it just to God or something else, but give it all to God. That your mind, your thoughts are on him. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, Pixar came out with this movie called Soul. Um, I found it very boring. That's my own opinion. Uh, but when you think of like soul, that's kind of what you think about. Like, you know, you die and this thing comes out of you. Um, it's not really the Hebrew way of looking at it. It's not this non-physical form. Uh, it's more of, if I was to say the idea of me, um, if you ask someone like, do you know who I am? Do you know me? That's the idea of soul. Kind of the essence of who you are as a person. I had this boss once I was talking to, and he was talking to me about kind of some actions that he read wrong. And I was like, don't you know me? Don't you know who I am? Because that's like what you're saying is not what I would actually do. That's not who I am. So when I say like the idea of me, this idea of my soul, my essence, that with everything within me is my essence. So interesting, like this verse or this word, if you take it down to like the very like kind of root meaning, also is the word throat. Like you think of like when something bothers you so much, you get like a lump in your throat. There's this passage here in Psalm. There's two of them I'm going to read here. That search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if they, there be any grievance way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. In Psalm 42, as a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? When I think of this idea of love the Lord with all your soul, it's like a, a thirst, like the deer that pants for the water. Think of the time you've been the most thirsty you've ever been. And when you drink, like I dislike water. I drink a ton of coffee and soda. Maybe a New Year's resolution should be drinking more water. But there's something about it when you're so thirsty, like even plain, bland water is so good. Does your soul long for God in that way? That you thirst for him? So love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This word strength, this is the one that I find the most interesting. Because the word actually does not mean strength. Miod. Like there is another Hebrew word for the word strength. But so, but um, if you ever f- get really nerded out and try to follow like why they translate certain words, it's really interesting. I remember watching a special on it where they fought over the word "is" in a passage if they should be there or not there. Like just the word "is," 
but they spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's the right word, what's the best word in this. And so the, the translators came with the word strength, but because it's kind of, but it's not really strength. What it really means is very. This word is used in scripture all the time. And it says the word very is usually added to something to make it more better or show more about it. Um, so like here in the passage in Genesis, so God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. The word very there is the same word here as strength. But it's kind of just weird to say like, love the Lord your God with all your very. But it, there's another translation in Aramaic that translates this one as wealth. In Greek, we see it as strength or the word dynamite or power. So with every capacity that you have within yourself, every ability that you have, like I would say, every God gift that he gave you, do you love him? With all your capacity of who you are, do you love him? So let's look at Mark here. So this is in the New Testament. This will be Jesus talking here in a second. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one to answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Over the next year, you're going to have a lot of choices to make. It's estimated that you make 35,000 choices a day. 35,000 choices. I wonder how many choices I make by not making choices. I can make a choice not to make a choice. Probably a lot. But in your life, as your choices come up, and I think about the core of who you are, they say, I have this faith in God. I love God with all my heart, with all my soul and all my strength. How many choices come after out of that? The decisions I make really represent who Christ is, if I follow Christ. And so as Christ lays us out, he lays these ideas out about loving God and loving others, love your neighbor. There's a story about two rabbis that existed back a little bit, around the time of Jesus and some a little bit before, uh, uh, Hillel and Shammai. And these two rabbis were known to debate all the time about how to follow the law. And so in their decision-making, I'm going to kind of make it very basic here, but the decision-making is that Shammai is about love God and then follow the letter of the law. So when it talks about Sabbath, you follow every piece of the Sabbath. When it talks about food laws, you obey the food laws exactly as you're, as you're supposed to. 
Well, it's only no, these two guys influenced the future of Judaism. And then you have Hillel. That's first one is love God. And the next one is follow the uh, spirit of the law. What the law is trying to share. And within that, he talks about the idea of love your fellow man. Or in Jesus's words, it'd be love your neighbor. That as these two made decisions about how to follow the law, those were the elements they brought down to. And so there was this man that came to Shammai and says, I will convert to Judaism if you can teach me the law, the Torah, while I stand on one foot. Think of how long you can stand on one foot. So Shammai looks at this man and goes, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. I cannot teach you the whole law while you stand on one foot. That's impossible. Go away from me and get out of here. So the same man goes to Hillel and goes, Hillel, I will convert to Judaism if you can teach me the Torah, the law, while I stand on one foot. And so Hillel thinks about it for a second. And in response to the man, the man says in one foot, what is hateful to you, do not, do not unto your neighbor. And the rest of the scriptures are commentary. So when I think about this idea of how do we follow the law and how do we follow God, how do we show God that we love him with all of our heart and with all our soul and all our strength? Part of it, we do it by how we love our neighbor. That we treat people in a way of like the golden rule. Some basic thing we teach, try to teach our kids to do. But when you make decisions throughout this next year, and you think about kind of the criteria you walk through, will this show God's love to those around me? Am I loving the, the person that God has made in some way? I know sometimes it's difficult. I wish it was really easy of knowing like this is the right way of doing it. I think this morning, one thing I wanted to express is not the idea of, I know with like news resolutions, like you do it or you don't do it. You run every day or you eat well every week. You succeed or you don't succeed. And this idea is that every morning is new. And maybe for, for a while, maybe commit to saying this verse, the Shema here. It's like, wake up, Lord, today I'm going to try. I'm going to try to love you with all of my heart, with all my soul and all my strength. I don't know how will that look today. I don't know what I will face, but that's what my desire in my heart is. That is what I want to do. Because that is the core of me. That's the core of my faith, is to live that out. Maybe this morning is the idea that you just need to center yourself back to who you are. That 2020, maybe you lost a piece of your what, first love. It's a hard question to answer sometimes. Do I really love God with all of my heart, with all my soul and all my strength? 
Maybe it's just telling him, I mean, that's what I want. That is what I want. And each day I'm going to try a little bit more. As I start off this new year, I just want to try to love you. When I look at communion, what I see is the idea of humanity crying out to God. And God hears us. That we need a savior with all the suffering in the world, all the suffering within my soul. That God God chose to step into humanity. That he was obedient and went to the cross for us. That he heard you. He heard you cry out when he asked, may I follow you? May I give my life towards you? And he responded to us by loving us so much that he died on the cross. So on his last day, Jesus took a piece of bread and broke it. He said, this is my body given to you, do, given to you. Do this remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And then he took a cup. This is my blood poured out for you. For you. Remember me. So how I want to end it this morning is for all of us to say the Shema together. Go ahead and stand up. And so instead of saying Israel, what I want you to say is church. Hear, O church. Let's just say this together out loud. Hear, O church, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Let me pray. Lord, this is a prayer for our church this year. That we would be a people that learn to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. That in times of distress, that we would be reminded of this verse, be reminded of this prayer, that we would turn towards you, that you are the one true God, and we would trust you. That we would follow and we would obey whatever that might mean. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.